never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. I recently shared in an Instagram reel the truth that the enemy often whispers lies about the mom that we aren't so that we cannot hear God telling us about the kind of mom that we are. And I know that there are some men who listen to this as well. So let me say that in the same way for dads, the enemy often whispers lies about the dad you aren't so that you can't hear God telling you about the kind of dad that you are. As a parent as a whole, it can be so difficult to navigate this world of determining what your children need to determine if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way. And the idea that parenthood is meant to be this Pinterest-worthy showcase of your abilities and your willingness is a lie that society has sold to us in a way that can often make us feel as if we aren't ever fitting the mold. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you just can't get to that mom's parenting abilities? I was actually at Chick-fil-A yesterday and there was a mom with four kids and I could tell she was really frustrated and she was just stressed in her tone and in the way that she spoke to her children. And in my heart, immediately I was like, gosh, calm down. (laughs) You know, like they're just being kids. And it only took me half a second to be convicted of myself doing the same thing and having these moments where I react and respond in a way that isn't loving or isn't kind or is just I'm allowing my frustration to get the best of me. And in that, I sit in shame and guilt because I'm just not fitting the mold of that perfect mom who never gets frustrated or that perfect mom who never has emotional moments that we are told, you know, gentle parenting always, all the time. And that's a great goal, but there are moments where it's really hard to do that. And so even though we may do so much right, the enemy often fills our minds with the things that we're doing wrong. And we hear these lies about our motherhood and these questions that, feed into us because of what we're taking in through social media. And I'll talk about that. But it's like, you're not a minimalist mom. Oh, you need to get it together. You're a working mom. Well, you still need to live out your motherhood as if you don't have a job. 
or you don't enjoy motherhood as much as that mom does, you're selfish. Or you don't have the income to do all those sports and activities, you're never doing enough. These are the lies that we hear and believe. And while the world says not enough, God says you are enough in me. You, listening, whoever you are, I love you, I see you. I want you to know that you are enough in Jesus as a mom. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. And the world's expectations and responses do not offer real hope or change for our motherhood. And that's what I want to talk about today. This idea and concept of biblical motherhood. What is it? The expectations within the world only create exhaustion and discontentment, but the gospel gives us hope for every moment of our motherhood because we don't have to be insecure or broken or fearful or grieved when our ideals come crashing down around us because our trust isn't in this preferred method of motherhood. It's not in gentle parenting. It's not in breastfeeding, kind of as I talked about in the asceticism podcast episode, the most recent one. So if you go back to part two of this motherhood series, you'll hear all about that kind of like the mommy wars and the expectations we place on ourselves. But our hope lies in Jesus. And therefore, when the preferred methods of our lives don't pan out of our motherhood or parenthood, then we have the ability to say, it's okay. I have restoration offered to me. I have hope offered to me. I have a new day and new mercies offered to me. So I want to talk a little bit about this just as a whole and what the biblical role of a mother actually is. And as we see throughout scripture, the greatest biblical role of a mother is to point her children to Christ. That's it. That's the foundation. And as moms who love Jesus, our greatest desire is that our kids will come to know him as their Lord and Savior and live their lives for him. Not that we can be the ones to save them. That is not our job. That is not our role. Our role is to plant the seed and point our children to Jesus. We get to partner with God every single day in that daily discipleship of our children and in leading them toward a saving and sanctifying knowledge of the truth. And so we have this role, this essential foundation is to train our kids right? We need to be the ones training our kids. Not only do we need to train them in life skills and in education, but more importantly, training them to walk in godliness. And we do this by teaching them how to pray, by exemplifying that to them, not only at mealtime, not only on Sundays at church, but throughout the week. Are they struggling? Pray for them. Pray over them. Are they hurting? Did they deal with a bully at school? Pray for them and pray over them. Are they just struggling with insecurity or frustration? Stop in the moment, take a deep breath and pray over them and their pain or their hurt. These are the things that they see in how you interact with them and how you see God is what they will see in God as well. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For bodily training or physical training is slightly beneficial, but godliness is beneficial for all things because it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, it says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I love that verse because it is a reminder that we don't compartmentalize God's word. We don't save it, as I said, for the holidays, for Christmas and Easter. 
or for church on Sundays, that is a Sunday Christian, right? And we are not Sunday Christians. We are crucified with Christ. Our old selves are gone. And sometimes if you're not there right now, it just takes a moment of clarity of saying, God, I have not fully surrendered my heart to you, my life to you. I want this for myself. I want this for my family. I surrender all. My old self, my old patterns, I repent of them and I put them away. I'm turning from them for you because I know that you offer so much more life and more joy and more peace than anything that this world can offer me. And then you live that out in front of your children. You speak it up as it says in Deuteronomy. When you sit down, when you're walking, say you're walking down the street with your kids, tell them a verse, memorize a verse with them, but even more so tell them how that verse applies to their lives and and applies to their worship of a God who is bigger than their problems, a God who is bigger than all of the struggles and the desires that the world throws our way. So what are some patterns or maybe some habits of a biblical healthy motherhood. Number one, I would say it is a mother who persists in prayer at all times. Again, that's like tongue twister. She persists in prayer at all times. Luke 18, one says they should always pray and not give up. So a believing mama, a mama or a dad who never gives up on their child, especially the ones who run away or have no interest in God, In those moments, that is showing the faithfulness and the belief that they actually have in Jesus, right? When things get messy and hard, it actually shows that we believe what we say we believe. And I think sometimes we can write off that difficult child, the rebellious child, and just think, oh, it's a lost cause or I'm too far gone or I just don't have the capacity or resources to deal with my kid in this season, But a praying mom will plead for the grace and the mercy of God over their child's life as long as there is breath in her lungs. She is compelled and encouraged by the Holy Spirit to keep praying and to keep believing in the miracle of God no matter what. Number two, she demonstrates unconditional love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. A mother who loves God with all of her heart, you guys, is not afraid to unconditionally love her children. She doesn't withhold that love. She recognizes and is fully aware that her patience will absolutely be tried by disobedience, right? It will never end. The disobedience, the frustration, those things are going to last and they're going to last longer maybe than we expect them to. But this disobedience or even this um, withdrawal within them will never cause this mama who whose soul is so set on Jesus to regress to a point of anger or bitterness or resentment because her love of Christ and Christ's love in her allows her to continue faithfully loving in spite of her child's behavior. And this is not natural, right? When somebody treats you badly long enough or is disobedient long enough or is frustrating long enough, it results in our emotional response naturally. That is human nature. But a mama whose heart or dad whose heart, I mean, I'm trying to adjust guys. I know you can tell. I'm trying to, to the parent, to the parent whose heart is set on unconditional love. They are not rocked by that disobedience or by that behavior. They are going to respond to it. They may discipline, they may address it, which is all good and right, but their love doesn't change in that way. 
Number three, this parent cultivates a joyful environment. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. So those who enter into the home of a godly woman or man, they should sense that presence of joy and of peace. And this is not to say you guys need to have these things done perfectly. This is just what we see biblically as a goal, right? We're always seeking to grow and to be a better mama and to be a better dad and to be a better wife and husband. So our deep-rooted joy is what sustains us through those difficult moments that will come in parenthood. We cultivate that joyful environment. And I've noticed this, you guys, probably more than many things in my life, that I create the tone of my home. And my husband does as well. And so do my children. But I am able to shift the tone of my home. If my children come home frustrated and I immediately allow it to frustrate me, and then my husband comes downstairs and we're all frustrated, I have allowed that tone from one child to shift into my entire home rather than when my child comes home frustrated and angry and defensive, whatever it might be. And I say, hey, I love you. I see that you're feeling a whole lot of things right now. And I'm going to ask you go and have some alone time to just process through, to pray to Jesus and to kind of work through whatever it is that you're navigating right now. And then come downstairs and let's talk. That completely changes the dynamic of our day. And in creating that safe space for our kids where they're allowed to have emotions, they're allowed to be human, they're allowed to have a bad day, just like you and I do, we also give space for them to be that that human, which gives them the ability to let us be human in our brokenness as well. And it leads out an example where for us, if we're repenting openly for our frustration one day or, you know, like, hey, I'm so sorry. I should not have said that to you or raised my voice at you in that way. I'm just having a really bad day. Do you forgive me? Those little moments then play out and I see my boys, not always guys, trust me, not always, <laughs> but sometimes coming downstairs and saying, mom, I'm sorry. I came home and I was being really rude. Do you forgive me? And they see that in the way that we cultivate that environment, but also we have to take control of our homes. A wise woman builds her home, okay? But a woman of folly tears her home down. Proverbs tells us that. So are you building your own home? Are you creating that environment? And if not, what needs to go? Is it clutter that creates stress? Is your schedule so busy that it's creating stress and frustration in your home? Is your relationship with your husband or wife unhealthy right now that needs to be fostered in order to pour that love and that grace and mercy and joy down into your children? What are some things that maybe need to go in your life in order to ensure that you're creating a joyful environment? Make those changes. Pursue that health in your home. Imagine believing and experiencing the truth that marriage is a gift from God to be embraced, not a burden to endure. Most marriage problems, you guys, are not marriage problems. They are God problems and they are heart problems. Nobody walks down the aisle to say I do with a plan to have a mediocre, difficult marriage that ends in divorce. Divorce is painful and messy and hard. And God didn't call you to be a wife who fixes and fixes and exhausts herself with the efforts to make her husband better. 
and said he called you to be a love him wife. Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. Ladies, have you equipped yourself properly? Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down before seeking help? It is more likely that if your house were on fire, as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything you could to fight it, to fix it, and to learn from it. It should be the same for your marriage. It's time to make a change. I am here to speak with you all about the Wife Project. Our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. The purpose of the Wife Project, which has already been purchased by hundreds and hundreds of women, is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I have received countless testimonials that God is using this course to actively change and transform very real marriages from the core. I am offering eight video sessions that will address your root issues with biblical wisdom that will help to lead you to live the life with your husband that you always hoped for as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. The best part of this is that you will have lifetime access to the entire course. So if you can't listen to it or watch it right now, it will still be available to you in five, 10 or 15 years. And all of the videos and the Wife Project Journal will be easily accessible for you. The journal will include marriage challenges, scripture memory verses, and journal questions to begin working through the deep struggles of your marriage immediately. And I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in your faith and in your marriage through this course. Just visit my website, sparrowsandlily.com, or click the link in the show notes below or the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay for more information and to sign up for the waitlist. Lastly, this parent exhibits steadfastness in the word of God. Psalm 111.10 says, All who follow his precepts have good understanding. So this godly parent meditates on the holy word regularly. It's really easy for us to get to a place where we say, ah, I know that already. I'm already familiar with that. If you guys scroll down in my podcast episodes to how I read the Bible, the versions that I read, um, what I think about daily devotionals, that type of thing. If you listen to that podcast episode, it is filled with how I study the word in a very practical way. The things that I use, the books that have encouraged me, the Bible version I read. And I hope that that actually just helps you and spurs you on to read the Bible more because oftentimes we think, well, I know what God said, but we are filled daily with this information that is so intense and sometimes demeaning and sometimes causes envy and comparison all day long, at least four hours a day, right? Through social media, most people on average consume social media at four hours a day, even if it's sporadically. How much of that time are you spending allowing God's word to permeate your heart and mind in a way that shifts your worldview to a healthier, holier, more joyful, more peaceful, more biblical worldview? If you're getting five minutes of Bible time a day and four to seven hours of the world's perspectives, look at that. Look at how that can impact your mind. What comes in must also go out and it's going to start reflecting in your life and in your home. So prioritize the word of God and speak and teach those truths 
to your children. Your family will witness your diligence and learn from you. And I talk a lot about this in the Wife Project study, um, about deepening your faith in such a way that it pours out onto your marriage and onto your family. So there's a book called Screwtape Letters written by C.S. Lewis, and it is one of my all-time favorite books by far. It has been extremely impactful in my life and in my faith. And it's essentially a book written by a Christian man. C.S. Lewis is a very popular Christian author. But he writes it from the perspective of the enemy or essentially a demon trying to keep a Christian from God. Okay, so that's the dynamic. They're trying to keep this Christian from knowing God. However, an article was written a few years back, the same concept of the demon trying to keep this Christian, but it's specifically for moms. So this is basically a perspective of the enemy keeping you from joy and from Jesus in your motherhood and how they do it. So I'm going to read this article to you again, just to clarify the perspective of this is from the enemy trying to keep you from joy and thriving in motherhood and to keep you from Jesus in your motherhood. So it says, and basically Wormwood is like a smaller evil enemy in training and there's a bigger evil enemy teaching him how to pull people away. I know this is kind of confusing to explain, but okay. So it says, my dear Wormwood, I was thrilled to hear that you've been making progress with the mother. You have a good lead from what I hear. She's feeling overworked, unappreciated, and discouraged. I'm so glad to hear it. If you tread carefully, this can be a really great opportunity. With the kids waking her up every hour last night, we already have our advantage. A tired mom makes for a more emotional mom, and an emotional mom is a vulnerable one. I do have a few tips for you. First, aim your best efforts at her marriage. As you know, we cannot do much with a unified marriage. Luckily for us, a cranky and exhausted wife can do wonders to change that. We must convince her that her husband is no longer the friend and ally she first married. Instead, we must reveal every sin and selfish habit, especially drawing attention to his thoughtless actions, malintended or not, against her. Sometimes it's the less obvious things, things the husband doesn't even realize that we can use to offend this mom the most. When he comes home from work and dumps his things on the counter near the door instead of hanging his coat or putting away his keys, let her think of it as a direct assault on her work as a housekeeper. When he treks mud in with his shoes, let her think it's because he does not care about her efforts or he does not love her. Such extremes of thought may seem ridiculous to you and I, but to the exhausted mortal woman, it can seem very possible. Your goal is to make her think that the husband does not notice, or even better, that he does not care about her efforts at home. Secondly, do what you can to keep her focused on her troubles and pains. Remind her how much her back aches, how draining the children were all day, and how many undone tasks still beckon her. Do not let her wonder what difficulties her husband faced that day or whether his back might also be aching. Valuing others above oneself is one of those silly, those strangely effective tactics of God. If she stops to make him a cup of coffee when she's bitter, the next thing you know, she'll be rubbing his shoulders and flirting with him on the couch. It can progress out of control if you're not careful into a healthier marriage. Along those lines, be sure the mother starts to value productivity above everything else. Have her wake up early and work nonstop until bedtime. 
If the husband relaxes in the evening with an hour of gaming, be sure the wife notices the pile of unfolded laundry or unswept floors that he didn't touch. Do not let her grab her own book and relax alongside her husband. Diligence, often one of God's virtues, when overdone, can be used to our advantage as well. Convince her that as long as there's a shred of work to be done, and there always is, no one should be resting. Then as she folds and sweeps and he sits, you can introduce the sweet bitterness of resentment that flows not only into her motherhood, but into her marriage. So, okay, I'm done reading. So that continues on, but you guys get the gist of it, right? When we set our minds and hearts on the negative, on the things that aren't being completed or on the things that we value or have expectations of that are unhealthy or unrealistic, we become drained and defeated. The hardship and the difficulty become overwhelming and all-consuming rather than focusing on the good and the excellent and the pure and the lovely like we're called to in Philippians 4, 8. When we don't focus on God's strength and his word, the enemy, as we see here, gains access to our minds and our lives. And so as we continue in pursuing this healthy motherhood, we have to remember that we are responsible for being a witness to other mamas, right? So these younger moms who are learning from us, who may have a newborn baby, there is a place for understanding and grace in knowing like it is a really hard transition to become a new mom. And sometimes that new mom just needs to be heard. So if you have a neighbor in your neighborhood, or if you have a friend who became a new mom, Don't take a meal and be done with it. Check in on her regularly. Ask her how she's really doing. Send a coffee every few weeks. Love on her. Let her know she's not alone because it's really common to feel alone. And the Bible calls us to this, to encourage and to share our wisdom. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, The older women, and you are considered an older woman if there's anyone younger than you who has younger children. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine. Remember mommy wine culture we talked about in the last episode? Not given to much wine. They're teachers of good things. They admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. It's so important that as women, we pass down to the next generation of women and wives and mothers, the ins and outs of our roles, that we mentor each other and care for and raise up these children and help other moms to do so. And so not only are we responsible for the rearing of our children and helping other moms to do the same, we also create the environment in which it happens. Proverbs 31, 27 says, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Mama, I'm calling myself out here too. Do you find yourself scrolling and scrolling and scrolling? I have a podcast episode called Social Media Heart Check, and I really encourage you to listen to it because it is, it's one of my most downloaded episodes, um, Social Media Heart Check, and it is a challenge on our souls. But I just want to ask, you know, the bread of idleness, we're like, oh my gosh, the last thing I am is lazy. All I do is cook and clean and care for the needs of my kids. But also, do we take any downtime to just scroll and scroll and scroll? Do we tell our kids, hold on, just hold on, or you go figure it out, or you go do it instead of giving them those little yeses for playtime and time to just be present and together? That can be seen as idleness. And if we are not watching the ways of our household and instead we are giving that over to our children's peers or a neighbor or a babysitter all the time, which we get babysitters all the time, but I'm saying if we are not in control of our home, 
We are not the ones that are are giving this information. We're kind of hoping somebody else will be the one to teach our children these things. You are the pastor of your home, parents. You're the pastor. They are going to see what you do and how you live. And if you're scrolling and not setting boundaries on your own screen time, how can you call them and expect them to have boundaries on their own? They're watching you in the way that you live. So we have that responsibility to run our homes. We can either allow chaos and disorder and laziness and distraction to rule, or we can create order and peace. And the Bible acknowledges that motherhood is a busy role, but it also calls us to a standard that is not like that of the world. So you guys, I know you know this, but a parent's job is never done. Our lamps do not go out. We are always on duty and it is a lot. It is exhausting. It feels like we're not our own human. And I've shared in the past episode as well, the importance of caring for yourself and caring for your time and doing those things that make you feel human. But the Proverbs 31 woman and the look that we have into scripture and motherhood should not be overwhelming to us. It should be something that encourages us to lean into Jesus more than we ever have before. We have to remember this. Our enemy in motherhood or our enemies in motherhood are not flesh and blood. Enemies are not our exhaustion or the bullies or the attitude that our child has or even the selfishness in our own hearts. The Bible describes our main enemies as the rulers, the authorities, the powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6, 12. Our enemy is going to and fro on the earth, Job 1, 7, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. Mothers are stewards of the home where Satan hopes to do his worst work and often sees worse defeat. So here are a few lies that the enemy tells us to try and cause us this defeat. And by knowing this information, as we saw in that Screwtape Letters article, it gives us the power and the ability to fight that with truth. Because one of the biggest things is that Satan can demoralize us with suffering. He can leverage suffering to get us to actually sin. And while we think that maybe sinning in anger is justified, we then by knowing, okay, the enemy is using my suffering or my my sickness and um, maybe you're, you have health issues or maybe you started having anger issues or maybe you feel really defeated by your marriage, you then are able to use those things because the enemy has the power to justify the sin in your life. So just because you're hurting or suffering, you start to say, well, I'm allowed to get angry at my children and lash out because of this, right? We blame our circumstances, but we cannot justify or excuse sinning simply because we're struggling. This is where brokenness begins. Number two, one of the lies that we often believe or one of the, I guess, questions we ask ourselves is, did God really say that? The internet gives us access to a steady stream of advice, whether it's solicited or unsolicited, because our friends offer advice on how to deal with husbands and children, and everyone's an influencer nowadays, right? Like everyone has something to say. And there's images and shows and books that offer advice on what is good and beautiful and what can be expected or demanded out of life. And women who love to give and seek advice have a daily choice to make about what advice we look for, what we listen to, and what voices influence our daily decisions. So I just want to ask you, who is influencing you? I mean, really, what influence do these people have over you? Are you watching people that you're just constantly envying? 
unfollow them? Are you watching people who make you feel worse about your life? Not in a way that calls you up, but in a way that makes you feel just constantly discontent. Unfollow them. Are you gaining advice from people who don't actually have biblical or scriptural foundations to what they're teaching? Unfollow them. Know and be aware of the content that's coming in to your mind and your heart. And number three, he blinds us to the real enemy. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This simply means that as we pass through these years of parenting, we should expect regular and repeated moments of repentance to God, to our spouses, to our children. It should not surprise or dismay us that this part of our lives is a big part where warfare lives. We should see it as a normal part of the Christian life, but we must learn how to fight against it. So I just want to encourage you all, As the enemy uses these things, the suffering and the pain, the questions of did God really say these things, or the the real enemy, the fight against this world that we feel like we're fighting, the awareness of what we're really fighting against, having this knowledge gives us the resources and the tools to fight against those things with truth. So in closing, our children will get the most benefit, not from our public statements about what morally outrages us or by the rules and regulations we have in our home, but instead from our souls being watered by God's word and our hearts being filled with a yearning for God and Christ himself. Our children, no matter what they hear us say, will know what our hearts truly love. And Satan would have it so that we never find out what our hearts love. He would have us preach a gospel to our children that never reaches our affections, our sin, our desires, and instead is just lip service. Because we can be Christians and know all the right things to say, but it doesn't actually impact our lives. So as I said in the beginning, The greatest biblical role of a parent is to point her children to Christ. And you do so by loving Jesus with all of your heart, by remaining solid in his word, and by training your children up to love God above all things in this world. So I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I would love to hear your opinions. Um, It means the world if you share on stories and tag me and just let me know what you learned from this or gained. Share with a friend or family member. And as always, if you haven't rated us on iTunes, um, please do. It means the world just to have a quick rating and review to hear your feedback and just what you're enjoying about the podcast. It makes me just feel very excited and helps me to keep on going. So I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too, so don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.maestas. Love you guys.